And so if I'm, you know, a self-preservation versus a social, I'm going to care a whole lot more about me. And if Tori was a social, she's going to care a whole lot more about the group. So who we're with and matched up with matters a lot on a lot more levels than just type fours and sixes work great together. They actually don't. Welcome to the Corporate Sellouts Podcast. We're here to help you make your job work for you. We do the corporate research so you don't have to and give you real insights to help you get ahead in your career. Because if you're going to be a sellout, you might as well be a top performer. Welcome back to the Corporate Sellouts Podcast, everyone. Taylor and I have a super special guest this week. We are joined by Kaylee Newby, who is an accredited Enneagram practitioner who offers coaching, consulting, and corporate training. So welcome to Corporate Sellouts, Kaylee. Thanks so much. Happy to be here. So excited to have you here. Yeah, we uh, were so excited when this opportunity came to us because we are Enneagram junkies. And we've even in the time that we've been communicating with you over the past couple months, we'll bring up the Enneagram so organically, like on our episodes, and be like, wait, no, we need we to save it. We got to save it. But like, that's just what we talk about. So it's like the most organic, um, you know, happening that you're on the podcast with us today. Yeah, I love it. It's a little selfish too, I think. Yeah, we like (laughs) are so interested and want to know how to use the Enneagram to apply it to our corporate lives too. Yeah, exactly. So cool. Uh, Well, Kaylee, should we give, do you want to kind of jump in and give an intro before we just dive bomb you with questions? (laughs) I feel like we have so many. Sure. So just a little bit about me and how I ended up here. So I have worked in the nonprofit sector in um, executive roles. I've also worked in the corporate sector before, and I have been in the health, mental health field for 10 years. And I found the Enneagram for myself in 2017 and began using it just for me in my daily life uh, and relationships. I didn't really understand the whole breadth of how I could use it, which we'll be talking through today until more recently, like in the past three years. And then I found Enneagram coaching about two years ago and started working with individual clients as well as couples and watching two people learn this language of the Enneagram was fascinating. Also using it within my own marriage. And I wondered if I could kind of bridge the gap in teams and departments and organizations and corporations to create a shared language of understanding that one would help workplace culture and keep, you know, healthy, happy employees, and then also creating efficiency and communications within uh, different business organizations and groups, but also just keeping people in jobs that they love, like you guys talk about, corporate sellouts, people mm-hmm. who want to be in this, whether it's their passion or not. But if they're there, we want them to be healthy, mm-hmm. we want them to be happy. And other things that I know a lot of people use, like the Myers-Briggs, like the DISC assessment, strength finders, and others, don't really get to the heart of the issue, honestly. Um, I always say that like a person-centric approach is a business-centric approach because you have people working with you and you're working for people. So just approaching it from, you know, the side of personhood is what I do, but it always comes back to the bottom line of the business as well. I love that viewpoint. I feel like 
anything that you can apply to kind of your personal life, you can also apply to the corporate life. And you should, I think, Mm -hmm. you know, we spend so much time at work and I think it's so important to understand who you are and how you bring that to your home life, your work life, you know, your, your friendships, your relationships, any kind of relationships and, um, you know, especially coworkers. And so I'm really intrigued to know kind of how you, um, bridge that gap from the kind of marital relationships over to coworker relationships. Um, but before we, yeah, before we dive into that, I think we should just give an overview on what the Enneagram is, um, because there might be some people listening who have heard of it or maybe have never heard of it and there's so much to it. Um, so maybe Kaylee could just dive into a brief overview of what the Enneagram is first. Yeah, absolutely. So the Enneagram is a personality assessment slash tool that we can utilize in our lives. I do think, not I think, I know based on the work that I've done with myself and the work that I've done with other people is it's very different from a lot of the others out there. And the reason that it's different is because it gets to our why, like our motivation behind why we make the decisions that we make, why we communicate the way that we do, what we want in communication and why. Whereas a lot of other assessments just focus on behaviors that we have. And where the Enneagram comes in, also again to be different here, is our behaviors can look the same. So you're a two and a three. And you can both enjoy success. You can both enjoy appreciation. You can both enjoy travel. You can both enjoy a nice restaurant. But the reason you enjoy those things, the reason you're doing those things is different. So for a type three, it might be because eating out at a certain restaurant or traveling would be seen as successful or, okay, she must have like made it right now because look, she's at Nobu or whatever restaurant we want to say, you know? And then for the two, it's more of an appreciation and a wantedness that, you know, that Tori would be looking for. Um, And trying to achieve those things is where the Enneagram comes into play versus just saying, oh, you like to travel, so you should be in a job where you're traveling. No, (laughs) I like to travel. Because I like to travel in my personal time. I don't know if I would love to travel and have to work the whole time. So yeah, um, that's one component of the Enneagram. And then the other components of the Enneagram that set it apart from different assessments are all of the different facets of it. So what I mean by that is wings, subtypes, stretch lines, release lines, and tri-type structure. We might not have time to get into all of that today, but that is a lot of what makes this so useful and knowledge, not just information, but knowledge that can be utilized in our daily life versus just, oh, this was a fun thing that I did to understand myself a little bit Yeah, because like for all these other tests that especially we we do with our coworkers, it's like, that's a cool fun fact that Andrew's outgoing, but like, (laughs) what do we do with that? Um, so I think that's like really cool when you go by motivation, like, okay, well, like they're going to be motivated by this. So let's approach this issue this way. You know, that makes a lot of sense. Um, can we go over, there are nine types, like 
the basis of the Enneagram is that there are nine types and you can be like, you can be your main type and then you can have a wing on either side. That is the number on one side or the other. So let's mm-hmm. go through the nine types. Um, and then Taylor and I just as examples can share mm-hmm. our types. <laughs> sure. So the type one desires to be good and worthy. The type two desires to be wanted, appreciated, and loved. The type three wants to be seen as successful. The type four wants to be unique and understood. The type five desires to be competent. Type six desires to be secure and safe and have certainty. The type seven to escape pain and limitation. The type eight to have control and to protect others and self. And type nine to have peace, comfort, and find belonging. I am just thinking about that. So, and then just briefly, I have self-identified as a type three wing two and Tori, what are you again? A two wing one. Two wing one. Uh So as you're going through these, Kaylee, I'm just thinking like, I don't want my coworkers to know that I want to be seen as successful. You know, like, I wonder how, how deep do these deep dives go? And like, it almost feels like it could be a therapy session with your coworkers. If you're going through all of these, like, you know, bottled up desires and wants, um, it could get kind of juicy, which is um, kind of fun. Absolutely. And that is where my job comes into play and why I think it's important, whether it's me or someone else, someone who is highly Enneagram informed and corporate Enneagram informed to be hosting workshops, trainings, conversations, utilizing this information, because it can go very deep, even just in coaching with one-on-one clients. I am trained as a therapist, but when I'm in coach mode, I'm not working through that lens. So I have to be careful not to bring up, you know, deep seated childhood wounds from childhood trauma (laughs) and not have those things, you know, dysregulate the session. Um, And then in the same in the corporate environment. So it's done in a very, I think I said this kind of on our intro call, like an upstairs language that we mm-hmm, use mm-hmm. so downstairs High being level. deep and emotional upstairs being a little bit more surface level and applicable um and so that's what my job is is to keep it upstairs and there have been times where it starts someone starts walking down the steps and i'm like hey nope we, we gotta get <laughs> yeah. that up here i'd love to Party's do a up here. <laughs> session with you to get more into that but for what we're doing right here today with your team that's not necessary for us to walk through. Um, but yes, it, it can get deep. And some of these words that I used are not the ones that are used within the corporate training aspects. This is just more mm-hmm. for people who may be, you know, new to the Enneagram to understand. Because we would call like broadly. You know, the type three a little bit more of the achiever, wanting achievement versus I desire to be viewed as successful yeah. which and brings up yeah. a whole lot of other things. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a lot to unpack there. Yeah. Do, do you think like that you are kind of born with your Enneagram or do you think that like your childhood and your traumas and your life experiences and how you're raised and have been treated throughout your life impact it? And then therefore, if, if the answer is yes, like can your Enneagram change over time? That's a great question. 
The first part to that question is one that is highly debated in the Enneagram community. Having a clinical mental health background, here's kind of my take on it. If we look at um, the healthy, balanced person that we try to become, and then if we look at, you know, who we were born to be without trauma, without other circumstances, that version of ourself was never going to, you know, survive the long haul because there are going to be external factors that affect us. Yeah. So my understanding of it, looking at myself and also looking at clients is that we're, you know, born with access to kind of all of the nine types and then something happens. It doesn't have to be an overly traumatic event, um, but something happens that kind of solidifies our worldview. So that could have been, you know, that you were given a lot of responsibility as a child. And so, you know, for the type one to be seen as good, I have to be responsible. I have to do these things. For the type eight, maybe they didn't have any control when they were younger. And so they desire to have that control when they, you know, grow older. And so I think that it, you know, solidifies in some kind of pivotal event in childhood. Uh, and then our Enneagram type does not change over time. Okay. You are what okay. you are, and that's it. <laughs> okay. Because I, I, I know she did. She did. That was my visceral reaction. Okay. My sister, who listens to the podcast, so I'm going to speak kindly. I, I do love her so much. She's an eight, and she's a, she's a meaty you know <laughs> she's a middle child and we always used to give her or she like we always used to not give her crap but be like you know the middle child never gets a say they're just like like it's oh it's the oldest or it's the youngest and there's a the middle child just is in the swirl you know like and that is like a lack of control that completely would correlate to this need for control and anyways, I just cracked the code on why my sister's in such an Enneagram 8. She's literally a, um, she's a plaintiff's attorney now. Like, her job is to, like, sue people on behalf of other people, and she's very good at it. So, yeah. so um, most of my anyway, eight sorry. clients have worked in law. That's I mean, amazing. yeah, our they other eight friend works deep, in justice. Yeah, yeah, they have a deep desire for justice, though. So a lot yeah. of times that control is funneled into what they can do for other people and how they can protect Absolutely. other people. No, my yeah. sister's literally yeah. been a pro bono. She was a pro bono attorney in Uganda for a year. Like, she, yeah. she's a good, good, good person, you know? Like, <laughs> But it's just funny how yeah. it comes out like that. So yeah. absolutely. Um, anyways, that was my visceral reaction. <laughs> um, but... Okay. And then let's see, like, as far as a corporate setting goes, like, what are the benefits? So you come in, you know, you do this workshop or, you know, someone listening to this podcast goes and tells their coworkers, we got to all find out our Enneagrams. Like, <laughs> what do you expect to come out of that as far as team, like the benefits to team dynamics go? Mm -hmm. And how does that play out typically? Yeah. So it's hard to say what just knowing the information will do some depending on the level of commitment from everyone who's like hey let's take this test together okay but then how are you going to apply it which is what you know my hope um and my job is is to go in and show how to apply it 
And I was actually talking with someone today at a networking group and she was like, oh my gosh, your work is so important. My director found the Enneagram through some kind of workshop and came back and had us all take the assessment, brought in an Enneagram practitioner and did a workshop with us. And then we all put our number on our desk to serve kind of as a reminder when someone came to talk to us, to give us feedback, any of those types of things to remember, hey, you're working with a type five, have that kind of at the forefront of your mind as you're interacting with them. And they rearranged the office based on the practitioners um, and the consultant's recommendation so that people who worked really well together were close to each other or who encouraged one another and kept each other motivated throughout the day together. And another departmental head came over to their department and were like, hey, what are you guys doing? Because our turnover rates are above 50% for the quarter. And that department's rate was under 1%. Wow. And when she told them that they were using Enneagram, he kind of wrote it off as, oh, that can't be it. You know, that's not possible. Mm -hmm. Something like that would, but that is the power of the Enneagram. Um, is it can teach you who works really well together, help a team communicate really well together, keep them healthy and accountable when interacting with each other, and then for leadership to understand their employees in a way that you know motivates them intrinsically versus just trying to give a pat on the back to everyone and it not landing. Uh, it can radically change the scope of the culture in that workplace. That's so interesting. It's like, talk about real business results. Mm -hmm. Um, Like that is money saved (laughs) for the company. Yeah. Um, It's so interesting. And I wonder, so can you give some examples of, of people that work well together or types that work well together? I'm just curious, kind of, as we're thinking about this um, and, and not that, I guess one caveat to this too, is it's really hard to kind of self or or diagnose somebody as a certain type, right? Like you have to know them really, really well in order to do that. Um, So don't go do that with your coworkers is (laughs) what I'm saying. But yeah, yeah, I'm interested in what kind of types work together. This is a hard question to answer because it's not a one size fits all. And again, that's where the Enneagram comes into play as very different like I said, there's the wings, the subtypes, the tri-types, stretch lines, release lines. And, you know, Tori and I are kind of a bad example. We're both type twos with a heavier wing one. But if it was a type two wing three, they would probably work better with someone else versus a type two with a heavy wing one. Or mm-hmm. a self-preservation subtype, just quickly, the subtypes are self-preservation, social, and relational. And self-preservation are about, you know, me and my needs. Social are about the group's needs. And relational is about my needs and my one other person. And that one person can kind of shift and change depending on the people that you're around. And so if I'm, you know, a self-preservation versus a social, I'm going to care a whole lot more about me. And if Tori was a social, she's going to care a whole lot more about the group. So who we're with Uh and matched up with matters a lot on a lot more levels than just type fours and sixes work great together. They actually don't. Um, (laughs) That was a bad example. 
Um, but like type eights and threes, both of them have a real strong drive. They can't have big personalities, but if you get the right three and the right eight in a room, they could really make great things happen. Um, type twos and sixes work really well together. So there's not a like winning combination for any of the types. It has so much to do with all of the layers underneath. Um, my, my about to be husband is a six. So that is like so funny. I mean, when you were listing them all out, I like forget he's, oh, he's a five wing six, but, um, like, yeah, I know I've always known he's a five wing six, but I don't know what that means. And then you're like, oh, competence. Mm hmm. Like, that's like his number one complaint about coworkers. Like, they don't know what they're talking about. I'm like, okay, whatever. And um, he's an engineer, by the way. And he's, yeah. So, <laughs> very important to know what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then uh, security. So, anyways, I would make sense why, like, the perfectionist would want, would desire, like, a high sense of security. Um, so, and like stability. So that makes sense. But okay. I want to back up just a little bit. Um, I, it's gotta be like 90% of our listeners are like, like, we know exactly what you're talking about, but for the ones who don't just backing up to the basics, how do you know what your Enneagram is? How do you find it out? And then I think the only thing we really need to make sure we hone in on is what is a wing and like, what can your wing be based on what you are? And then like all the other things, like your tri-types and your, the sub all things, like, I don't (laughs) even know what those are. And like, I, we can maybe like gloss over that, but I think like, how do you find out and what your wings are is probably like the Enneagram basics. Yeah. So your wing can only be one of the numbers next to your number. So if you're a three, it can only be a two or a four. If you're a two, it can only be a one or a three. Um, If you're a a nine, it's an eight or a one. So kind of thinking of it more as a circle than a straight line. And so, yeah, that, that determines your wing. Now, you don't just have one. The goal is to have them balanced to be able to access both of them an equal amount or in a strategic way. So for me as an entrepreneur, really leaning into that three to help me, you know, achieve, create my own deadlines and stick to them now that I'm not working for anyone else. And then the one kind of helps keep all of that organized. And so the the hope is balanced between the two, but you do typically lean heavier on one, which is why a lot of people will say, oh, I'm a two wing one uh, or an eight wing nine or something like that. Any questions? About That's that? interesting. And, yeah. Yeah. That is. Um, and then like, is there, especially inter- in the, I know it might be different in the corporate setting than versus like a person who just wants to know their Enneagram. How yeah. do you in a quick way, help people diagnose what their Enneagram is? And then what do you recommend to an individual? And is it different? I've heard it said that like, you can't take a test. The online tests are a farce and you have to just like go through the journey of life introspectively figuring out what you are. (laughs) And like, I think that that's like not realistic for most people who are like, I listen to an Enneagram podcast and I want to know what I am, you know? Yeah. So what self-aware. Too. I know <laughs> what a what a gift. I don't know. There I don't are have it, people but... who will probably listen to that first little intro bit with all of the motivations and go, "Oh, yep, nailed it." Uh, and yeah. others who it takes a whole lot more time. So, I used to be of the belief that an assessment couldn't nail it down, mostly because 
so many assessments focus in on behavior because it's hard to ask questions about motivation if you yourself don't know what the motivation is. <laughs> you know, it's hard to answer those types of questions, but you're able to answer questions on, you know, how you behave. However, there is one assessment that I only recently in the last six months got my hands on, and it is not a free assessment, but it is the best assessment on the market. And it's with um, the IEQ9, the Integrative 9, that's who I'm accredited through. And especially if you're working with a coach who has access to that assessment, like myself, you get a whole lot more information than you will if you just go and put your email in and answer the questions and then get the results sent to you because you're still just getting an information packet, essentially. When you work with yeah. a coach or a practitioner and why a lot of corporations lean on using this is I get a coaching companion that shows me percentages for tons of different information versus just you're a two and this is what that means. So what I do is I look at that information to one, make sure that nothing seems off, as in did they score 90% for two different types and then it just chose one or, you know, to see what their wing is, you know, what they have a higher percentage on there. So if you're going to go the assessment route, unfortunately, a paid assessment would be what I recommend and specifically the integrative assessment. However... Working with someone who knows the Enneagram really well, like for an individual who just wanted to learn more versus a company or a group of people who wanted quick information, having like what we call a typing session. So it's typically an hour, hour and a half where we kind of talk through different things. Oh, okay, you like to travel. What is it that travel gives you? Why do you like to do that? And then based on what their responses are, that kind of helps me dial in to two or three different types um, to kind of narrow it down through and then talk through those a lot more in depth. But when I work with a team, I never have time for that. <laughs> so the assessment is a no, yeah. faster way to get that information. And then I just create like two to three questions if something seems like I, I want to make sure that this is true. Um, and then we go from there and do the workshop or consulting. That makes sense. Um, I've heard people say, and I I know this to be true, like for myself and just in research, like, oh, she's an unhealthy two, or that's the unhealthy two showing, or I say two because I'm a two. Yeah. But like, for example, like being a two is a lot about like being a giver and hospitality. And like, I know a person whose mother-in-law is like always giving, like gifting them crap that they, and it's like, and is like always like forcing themselves upon, like, I made you this dinner. I made you this thing. And it's like, oh, she's an unhealthy too. It's like, she's giving for like the wrong reasons, you know? Like, so is any given person like in their eightness or their two-ness like inherently healthy or unhealthy or are there just ways that it kind of shows kind of based on what you said earlier how like you know we're, we're we all start this life with a blank slate and then it kind of like happens to us and there's times when you're like displaying your true enneagram self in a healthy way and there's times where it gets like unhealthy maybe like how you're motivated so i and is that like a real thing that 
Okay, go on. Yeah. (laughs) I don't love the terms healthy and unhealthy, just in general, not just in Enneagram speak. Yeah. So what we use are stretch and release or, um, so like when you're stretching, you're going to eight as a two, since we're going to stick with that example, stretching is going to eight, releasing is going to four, but in stretch, you know, that it can be painful because we're stretching, like think about stretching a muscle. It can cause pain. And sometimes that can be what people would call unhealthy, but you know, you're working towards a goal of being able to access whatever your stretch line is. So again, from two, it's the type eight so that you can utilize it in a quote unquote healthier way. Um, or in a more intentional way. So instead of just yeah. getting stressed and, you know, embodying the rage of an eight or like the control of an eight mm-hmm. as a two and just like barreling through things, instead it's recognizing, okay, that's my tendency. What do I need? What could the type eight provide me that would be supportive in my stress versus just kind of becoming the bull? <laughs> uh in a sense yeah for again this is just for type two to eight um so i don't love the terms healthy unhealthy and i would say that stress and even growth rather than seeing those things as seasonal or like you know a goal to achieve think of it as situational because you can kind of experience stress and growth health unhealth in the car on the way to work, depending on the traffic, you know, like your mm-hmm. body can go through all of the emotions, all of the things by the time you get to work. And so it's very situational rather than like, oh, this is an unhealthy person. They're just, you know, not living super aware right now of how they're showing up. Um, does that make sense? Yeah, that makes okay. a lot of sense. And that's a really like much better way of looking at it like you can say like it's almost like if you just say like oh well that's like the unhealthy side of whatever you are like that doesn't really offer you as many solutions or explanations and guidance but to say like oh you know you're a two you're stretching right now because you're stressed out and are in pain and then when you do that you tend to take on the exhibit like the characteristics of an eight like that's really helpful for you to understand your own self better and like how to be better and grow versus being like well that's not healthy like (laughs) because then what i like that a lot you know do you just completely (laughs) abandon those parts of you no you can't because then you would never be kind of that idea of a healthy balanced person like i mentioned earlier that is kind of the goal is understanding all these things and using them yeah Okay. So Kaylee, one more question on this, um, and then we can probably wrap it up, but I'm just so curious as, so it's, since I know Tori's type now and she knows mine and we work closely together, obviously on the podcast and, um, and just as friends too, but what's one piece of advice that you would give us, um, you know, me working with being a three, working with a two and Tori being a two, working with a three kind of, how would, how would you, um, tell us to, to work better together? Yeah. I'm also under the assumption that you guys are friends too. Yeah. Yeah. We are. Definitely. We are. Yeah. <laughs> that just adds layers, you know, to 
the advice that I would give um, for people who have like a relationship outside of just a working relationship. So for a three working with a two and kind of communication styles and um, trying to take into consideration what you each bring to the table and not disregarding what could be seen as an emotional response from Tori, but trying to like find the why behind that and say, okay, you know, this is valid what you're bringing to the table. Let's dig a little bit deeper to understand why you're responding this way. I also think in the same vein of when you are experiencing big emotions, I worked with uh, a type three who was kind of my uh, peer on a similar executive level. And a lot of the time they would, when they were experiencing big emotions, feel like I was a safe place to come and drop them because I feel. And so this must be a safe place. And yet I still had to Mm -hmm. stay focused on the work that I was getting done that day. And as a feeling type, I could, that could kind of bulldoze my day. So remembering that, yes, especially as a friend, like, dropping feelings at the door is probably a very safe thing to do. And in the working relationship, trying to find balance between when that's appropriate, when that's not appropriate. And almost there are friends that I have worked with in the past and we will use the language of like, all right, I'm putting my coworker hat on right now or friends that I was their boss. And I'm like, okay, in this conversation, I'm your boss. And then when that hat, for instance, came off, okay, friend hat back on. So trying to distinguish between those two things, because Tori needs that from other people, because boundaries are potentially a harder thing for you to withhold, Tori. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And I think, not to like diagnose Taylor, but... That that's part of Taylor's t- two-ness is that like we both are like yeah walk all over us here we are like, yeah, absolutely. so we, we just we recorded just a podcast did. on people pleasing last week and yeah it's very relevant to this too yeah my two wing is strong I would say okay um, yeah I definitely lean but, heavily on the two side so just to play that back basically if you're a, working with a two in a work environment it is per perhaps well known or quickly learned about twos like oh twos are like feelers twos will absorb our feelings let's feel that twos are safe spaces to dump emotions on and you as a coworker, need to realize like just because they're like feely people doesn't mean they can just absorb all of your baggage at any time type of thing mm-hmm. and continue okay. on with their day and then the other thing too yeah. is recognizing that twos have an issue holding good boundaries And people can very easily take advantage of that and just continue to bulldoze and bulldoze and bulldoze. And they'll continue to take it and take it and take it until they literally physically cannot anymore. Mm -hmm. And so if you see a coworker struggling who may be a type two, reminding them, hey, you can have a boundary here. Like, what do you need for me to help you hold a good boundary? Or if you see someone, you know, working really late at night, why are we doing that? should we boundary around like when we're online and when we're active um, for work, that kind of thing. And then for the two to the three, trying to meet them 
at that expectation of efficiency and effectiveness and timeliness and the things that they hold as really important because a lot of the time and not all of the time, a three will take on kind of society's views, especially in the corporate space, what corporate success looks like versus you know, a lot of times we would say for a three, it depends on the person that they want to be seen as successful to, but in the workspace specifically, it's going to be corporate success, most likely. And so one, helping them stay boundaried around what do you actually want to do? Do we need to do this and all of these 10 other things when we're at home? Or do we just need to focus on this right now? So with the podcast, you know, are we prioritizing this or are we prioritizing the five other business ventures you've thought of this week that we could also start? And I am, I have no information. If that's landing, I have no information on Taylor and Tori's other business things. That's true. You don't. Yeah. Unless, I, unless you've seen our, hacked our Google account and seen the docs. We have a lot have of it. ideas. <laughs> Taylor has yeah. a lot of ideas. Yeah. I'm gonna like, I, I mean, I do too, but Tori's yeah. better at executing those ideas, <laughs> I would yeah. say. Yeah. But yeah, that's it's very true. It's funny though, too, because like I'm looking at, so I'm an HR business partner at work, and I, um, I think sometimes I question do I really want to be an HR business partner, or is it just that I know that this title comes with a certain amount of prestige in the HR community and, um, yeah, I, I battle with that in my head a lot. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's interesting that you say that. That's interesting. Yeah. 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 And I think that's a good point, too, for people who work with other threes, potentially, is recognizing, you know, what does their passion look like in this? Or does it seem to just be, you know, a recognition thing or a standard thing? Um and helping them stay grounded in what they are also truly passionate about. It doesn't have to show up necessarily in the corporate workspace, but to keep them accountable, to stay focused and connected to who they are in their personal life outside of the office. Love that. It's great yeah, advice just awesome. for every day. Um, this has been so helpful, Kaylee. Tori, is there anything else that you want to know about? Or Kaylee, is there anything that we that we missed? I think um, really just where we can find you, like if you have an Instagram or a website um, and what the next steps are if someone is interested in having an Enneagram practitioner um, work with their team, um, what are the steps to find you and start that journey? Yeah, so I am on Instagram. It's just at Kaylee Newby, K-A-L-E-I-G-H-N-E-W-B-Y. I'm also on LinkedIn, Kaylee Newby, and I do have a website, KayleeNewby.com. So all of the things are very cohesive. And Instagram is where I post some like information. uh, And then LinkedIn is a bit more specifically business and corporate focused. But anyone can reach out on any of those platforms uh, to ask more questions or to work with me. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for chatting with us. Like this was so fun. I could just talk about this all day long. So I really think our listeners are going to like it too, just based on who I know, like kind of our target demo is. So um, 
I'm really excited to hear everyone's thoughts, listeners. Um, if y'all have any questions or any feedback or follow-ups, please email us um, or con- contact us on our Instagrams or TikToks that will be in the closer. So I just wanted to um, give a special promotion to any of your listeners for $100 to get an Enneagram assessment and a one-hour session to discuss the results of that assessment with me. So that would be the assessment that I talked about earlier that gives a lot of data that we could walk through. And then we would talk one through the results and also through how to use that information in day-to-day life. So it's typically around $250 value for $100. Just mention corporate sellouts when you reach out. Awesome. awesome. Thank you for that offer. That I I would jump on that right away. I feel yeah, like me too. It's so interesting. Um, and everyone can do better with knowing more about themselves and their motivations. So yeah. thank you so much, Kaylee. We really appreciate you coming on. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to the Corporate Sellouts Podcast. We have a hard stop, so we're going to go ahead and end it there. If you have any episode topic ideas, questions, or sellout celebrations, let's go ahead and take this offline. Email us at corporatesellouts at gmail.com and follow us on Instagram at corporate sellouts podcast. Our TikToks are Taylor in HR and Tori loves spreadsheets, so be sure to check us out there. Thanks for closing the loop, and we'll circle back next week.